Tundra Talk is brought to you by Frontier Outfitters and Century Hardware, your locally owned source for hunting, fishing, and shooting gear in interior Alaska. They sell proven gear that will tackle whatever Alaskan tasks you need it to, and Frontier always stays current with gear for the season. Whether you're baiting bears in the spring, fishing, camping, or dip netting in the summer, you're looking for game bags and moose camp gear in the fall, uh, if you need to stock up on trapping lures or just get everything you need to go ice fishing, they've got you covered. They always carry a wide variety of Alaskan-proven clothing and boots, camping gear, meat processing supplies, guns, ammo, reloading and shooting supplies, as well as camping gear and backpacking food. Downstairs in Century Hardware, you'll find a full hardware store naturally, and um, you'll also find your snow machine, ATV, marine accessories down there. They go out of their way to stock plenty, plenty of quality, useful equipment. And whether you're gearing up for a hunting or fishing trip, working on a never-ending home improvement project, or anything in between, it's usually a one-stop shop. Frontier Outfitters is located on 3rd and Old Steese in Fairbanks, and they have a second location in North Pole, so make sure you stop in next time you need to gear up. This episode of Tundra Talk is also brought to you by Hedgecock Group Realtor Rick Lindsay, a guy that can take care of just about any of your real estate needs in the Fairbanks area. Now, the Hedgecock Group has been in Fairbanks North Pole real estate market since the early 80s, and their service is tailored to meet the diverse needs of home buyers in interior Alaska. Now, Rick has lived in Fairbanks for a long time and understands a lot of the less obvious ins and outs of buying and selling property around here. You know, things like water holding tanks and permafrost and all that jazz. Fairbanks is a really unique place to live, and having a realtor that knows what to look for in a quality place can make all the difference. Rick's a Marine Corps veteran and will work hard to get you exactly what you need. And if you're looking to buy or sell real estate in the Fairbanks or North Pole area, reach out to Rick at 907-378-6780. And go check out his Instagram at R-L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-113 at rlindsey113. He's really a passionate outdoorsman. He's just like us. He's one of us. And he loves to share his adventures on there. And he's got a pretty a pretty nice cranker of a ram that I'm jealous of. So go check him out. That's how you do it. Okay, here we go. Welcome to Tundra Talk. I would say welcome back, but it's kind of a new start. With yeah. Tyler's super busy, and Frank's going to be the host tonight. <laughs> the doctor is hosting. So I got Carl and Tara here, who have recently done some spear fishing for whitefish, and we want to talk about that. How you guys doing? Good. Yeah? Good. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Life is good. Everybody, you've been, Carl's been on the podcast before. Yeah, a talking couple about, times. A couple times, talking about sheep hunting, talking about some moose hunting. Yep. I've heard of the podcast. You've heard of it. <laughs> I've seen the stickers. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But you have done a podcast before, though, you said, right? Uh, I've done a podcast, yeah, with the Alaska Beacon. Or it was an interview, and then the person was turning it into a podcast for them. So, No, oh, right on. What's yeah. the Alaska Beacon? It's a news, Alaskan news source, I guess. Right kind of newer, yeah. Right on. Nice. Nice. Um, so I guess, I mean, tell us, tell us about yourself, Tara. Carl's been on here, and everybody knows Carl now. So you oh, were um, born here, born somewhere else, hunting, yeah. fishing background, anything like that? 
Yeah, um, I'm Carl's girlfriend, have been for a few years, and uh, I'm, fr- I'm from Fairbanks slash North Pole, kind of grew up in between, um, got my degree here, I studied geology, now I've uh, worked at mines and exploration, now I work in permitting, and I uh, love Fairbanks, it's got enough weirdos to keep me entertained, <laughs> and I stumbled across Carl. Another as, weirdo. Yeah, another weirdo, and, um, and here we are together, so. Awesome. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Is it, so is this the first time you guys got, um, I want to talk about that a little bit. I want to talk about, spearfishing is weird. Like, I guess there's a bunch of places that, in the state that subsistence, you can spear pike and, you know, like, you know, where we go and yeah. pike fish in the, in the winter. But I know there's a few different rivers around that you can just set up and spear pike. But when it comes to whitefish... It's a little, I mean, it's a little different for us, especially around town. Yeah, personally, I don't know of another fishery like it. I No, I don't either. Where you can just go and, you know, get a bag limit and then spear your fish. Like, there's plenty of places you can put a gill net in, you know, or a set net in mm-hmm. you know, one of the subsistent lakes and all that. But that's the only one I know of that you can actually go and spear those fish in open water. So, the actual permit, so when I got one... Ten years ago, or over. probably yeah, like over <laughs> ten over. years ago, I t- actually met Tara for the first time spear fishing on the Chattanooga. A year, yeah, over ten yeah, years ago, we didn't put it together until like, yeah, Re- yeah recently. recent, yeah. yeah. Um, but then you just walked into fi- they opened it. Yeah, I think it was in August sometime. And you just walked in and yeah, signed this, up and walked out with a permit. It wasn't like it was a big deal, but it's changed now. Is that correct? Yeah, I think it was. Um, I think when I met you on the Chattanooga, I think it was 2008, no, 2009 maybe, or okay. 2007. And it was first come, first serve. And they'd say it's open and you'd get, you know, there'd be like a tiny announcement in the news minor about it. And you'd walk in, and sometimes there was a line, sometimes there wasn't. Mm-hmm. But you could just walk in and get one. Now they've switched it to like an online lottery. Um, and I think this year it was 300 permits that they gave out on this lottery. So you you put in for, the way you do it is you put in for a household, right? Yep. It's not like it's an individual. It's like anybody in the household can actively spear, but it's only X amount of fish that you're allowed to harvest. Yeah, it's one one permit per household. And It each, was 10. It's 10, 10. fish per household. Mm-hmm. So then for the fish, because there is pike that are in the river at the same time there's grayling in the river at the same time there's she fish that are in there at the same time there's only certain fish that you're actually allowed to harvest yep and that would and that's the what are they round nose cisco cisco lee cisco and humpies humpies is there another one it's just three it's just it is it's just three okay right on on the permit itself they give you a nice color printout and everything with the different fish and what each one looks like and all that on there so you can and then they actually put you know a grayling on that permit so it's like you can't spear this and they put a she fish on that permit like yeah. this is what a she fish looks like don't spear these either please <laughs> well it, and i don't think i mean i've gone down there when i didn't have a permit and watched people like carrie and i went down this year and watched you guys spear fish just because it's 
super interesting. It's like it's really fun yeah. to do it. You know, you're it's at night and everything, but um, the yeah the it's not easy to tell what fish. Yeah, that you're like they're in the water. They're everything's moving, but you can and you rarely see like this year. You know, I was only there for three or four hours, but I didn't see any she fish at all. Yeah, and in the past, I've only seen a couple. Yeah, I didn't see any she fish. Actually, didn't see any grayling or pike either. You know, I saw all three different species of whitefish, but Did, I didn't see any other subs. You know that we couldn't spear. And you guys are like, obviously, you're holding out for bigger you want to you know if you can only get 10 you want to get bigger fish yeah and it seems like did you get anything aside from um from the humpies yeah the first one i speared i just got you know i was ready to do it had to get one <laughs> under my belt so i smoked a little tidy i think it, it was, was a cisco. Le- Le cisco yeah, yeah. i think it was about eight yeah, inches and the, <laughs> the rest of them were humpies and i don't know if that's i'm curious to know if they like kind of all you know one variety all kind of run in the same batch at a time and then if we had gone another night it would have been like zero m- humpies yeah. or like that we would have seen and so i guess tell people that are listening a lot of people that are gonna listen to this have no idea like they haven't done it or have never you know even heard of it tell a little bit about how you know how it works you're not out there at high noon doing it so. no yeah so uh tara did all the legwork this year like i didn't even know they had the permit open for the draw and everything so mm-hmm. she put her names in the hat she drew the tag for us put my name on the tag luckily i was like sweet thank you <laughs> appreciate that you're welcome <laughs> yeah so then and then i was actually planning on i think it was going to go caribou hunting or something that weekend and she kind of wrangled me she's like yo we got like I think 10 the, days i think yeah. the permit was good for like september 1st to like october 10th, 10th. And it was yeah. like the first of October, you know, and I'm like, ah, I'm gonna sneak up and shoot a caribou, you know, and she's like, No, you're fucking not. Like Yeah, yeah. we have like ten days. Let's we were we we're one of the go few go get and use this. Yeah, one of the few that got this permit, we're gonna use it. So we went out there and uh yeah, you know, it's one of those deals where yeah, you can only really spear them at night so you can see them you know you can't see into the water well enough during the day i don't think that they move much during the day i've i've heard well and i don't know if that was you frank telling us but or that guy that we were talking to on the uh, bank there but it's like they all kind of harbor up into the small smaller little tributaries and streams during the day and Mm -hmm. and then at night they're making the big push up yeah so run the big water during the night yeah well i guess you could go during the day and just go into these sloughs and stuff and try and do you know find where they're hanging out resting yeah. waiting to to move but for everything that I've ever known about it is that they move at night only like they're actively moving up the river in the dark yeah um that's always what I've heard too you know that's why I always hear with guys you know getting lanterns and you're wading across the river and looking for those bends where it's you know need a waist deep where the light is still going to shine through the water enough where you can see them. Right. And then, yeah, they're, I mean, they're always running up river when you see them. You don't see any coming down towards you. You know, you're always yeah. walking them up. So that makes sense to me that they're all running at night and yeah, doing their thing. Um, that guy, the four-wheeler guy that was sitting there that we were BSing with, though, he got one, and he said he saw a bunch off the bank. But he was, you know, hitting that super deep hole right there on the edge. Right on that corner. And yeah. he said just every once in a while one was coming through. So I'm sure, I mean, they're fish. So they got to move all day. You know, they don't just lay around much at all being yeah. a fish. So I'm sure they are moving some, but 
your chances of getting them are much you know greater during night when yeah. you can see them and they're running through there a lot better well it seemed like when we first got there we got there right after it was you know getting dark and you guys had been there for a little bit yeah there wasn't much snow which was nice there wasn't a whole there wasn't any ice built up yet in the yeah in the river um and that could get i mean depending on the year it could get shut right down on you and watch it, like bam could, yeah ice. you could lose your chance for sure i think yeah. but this year was nice and yeah. it was actually like moderately i wouldn't say warm but it was not not awful yeah, yeah it wasn't yeah. bad it seemed like the longer we were there it was like bigger schools of fish more fish and right. like less time between big schools of fish like the like more into the evening that it got yeah yeah i'm with you there i think they're definitely pushing more and more throughout the night so yeah but i'm not you know a biologist i haven't even read much about you know their patterns and you know guys should kind of read up on that like oh this is you know what they do and how they do it you know yeah. for something like that but yeah i mean we were fortunate enough to go in there and i don't know we were in there for four hours and we probably could have had our limit and i mean if we weren't picky at all half that half, time half hour yeah i would say even less than a quarter yeah. of that time yeah yeah i mean once i waited <laughs> across the bank or across the river you know which was sketchy it was right to the top of the waders <laughs> <laughs> you got to be careful in that cold water but once yeah. I got on the other side, I mean, I smoked five in a matter of 20 to 40 minutes, you know, and I could have kept yeah. going, but it's like, well, Tara's got half the permit too. I want her to clean house on a few of them. Yeah. Yeah. I just wasn't, I wasn't super comfortable crossing that and it was easy enough and I kind of wanted to prolong the experience anyway. So yeah. it's like, well, I can step off the bank right here in my uh, chest waders and just hang out or I could you know, go across and be done in 20 minutes, which didn't sound like, you know, whatever. Yeah. You guys were hanging out on the bank. It right. was fun. Yeah. Like, oh, it yeah. was... Yeah. Having a, yeah. Having a really good time. Yeah. Yeah. No sense so. cut it quits early. I've seen some interesting... Because I used to live, you know, a mile away, up the road, I would go down there almost every fall and just wait until I knew it was open and go down there and just poke around and see what people were catching, see, you know, see if they're spearing and see... A lot of people go down into the campground to that whitefish campground, mm-hmm. and I've seen some setups, man. Like when I did it, there like headlamps and stuff weren't as good in 2009 as they are now. And I first did it with a Coleman lantern, and you take the glass out and you line half the back of the glass with um, aluminum foil, right? So it's not shining light on your face so it's actually you can hold it so it's projecting the light forward and you'd be out there holding the coleman lantern like a you know the dual fuel <laughs> old green coleman lanterns and a spear in the other hand and that was yeah. how we were doing we were it. fully prepared to do that this time you told us about the lantern trick and with yeah, the foil and tip. i was like i think i did that back in 2009 but i can't be certain yeah. um but this time i was like okay um we had our lanterns ready to go and then you know, the headlamps since 2009 are just like, oh, you can actually just have it on yeah. your head. Of course, mine wasn't that great. I think yeah. probably because but it's built into a there, hat. But <laughs> I had that Phoenix light or the whatever that thing is. Deer that's like, flash that thing is, is phenomenal. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. So. I think it blinds some of those fish too, you know, slow them down a little bit yeah. for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'd be yeah. standing in the river in the dark and they, uh, the Carl, Frank, and Carrie are up on the beach, and I'm just like, 
hey, I'm I'm still down here. I'm still alive. And then I'm like, all right, I just felt one touch my leg. Light me up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Frank would hit the light, and then I'd have, like, my choice of spearing. Yeah. So. Yeah, and it frees up your other hand to have a beer in it. There you go, right? <laughs> pretty No pretty lantern, clutch. headlamp. Yeah. Um, so it seems to be that it's a real, like, it's not just like a guy or a gal goes down there and spearfishes. It seems like when I was going down and actually cruising into Whitefish Campground and seeing what people were up to, it's always like big bonfire going, people bring their kids, and everybody's hanging out, and they're like grilling up, you know, stuff on a grill. I've seen, you know those uh, work lights that they put on job sites that are, they got the yellow cages the around boxes, them? Yeah. It's like a... It's like a string of huge Christmas lights, but they got the yellow cages on them, yeah. so they can't get broken if they if it falls down or you hit it with something. I've seen people with generators set up with they tie those work lights tree to tree all the way across the river, <laughs> and then there's like six people lined up under the lights, just standing there with a spear, waiting for fish to like schools to come through. That seems like a pretty good way to do it, right I, there. I look mean, just legit to me if you're into like and hang out, yeah. dealing with that much stuff, and like st- you know that guy that we met this year, they're staying, they're like camped out, RVs and stuff, and there for the weekend to yeah. spear fish. Yeah, they had their little kid. It was fun. Yeah, we talked to them probably. Oh, 30 minutes, 45 minutes or so oh, on least, the bank yeah. before it started to get dark enough. And they're like, all right, kid's cold, but, you know, have fun and we're going to, you know, get to work. Yeah. He had that wicked uh, Silence 22 with them subsonics he was shooting. Oh, yeah. It just went click every time. It's yeah. like unreal how quiet that gun was. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I think it's uh, one of those times of year, too, where you're kind of in a lull with the hunting season. You know, it's where mm-hmm. you could be out doing something, but it's kind of, you know, you just get out of moose camp and whatnot and it's like all right it sounds like a fun weekend grab the homies and let's go out there and party yeah. and camp for a weekend and see if we can't get our fish when was it that you had to put in for that, that uh, permit? i think it was before carl went to moose camp so i think it was so it um, wasn't really a long period that you had to wait for the results it, huh it wasn't i think it was sometime in august yeah. that i put in for it and i just like saw a post for it and i was like uh, you know, like I, I've done that before, and you know, when it th- switched to the lottery, I was kind of like, "Oh, that's bullshit," you know, stand in line or whatever. And then this year, yeah. I was like, "It's been like a decade since I've done it. I have the spears <laughs> out there. Like, yeah. I'm looking for a just a nice weekend. It's ten miles away. Yeah, from the house. Like, it's yeah. a yeah. great." choice just to i was like well hell i'll just put in for it right so the next morning i put in for it pretty early was just like oh yeah you know it's on my mind so then um i think it was three or four weeks later i got an email and it was very inconspicuous i'm surprised i didn't go to the spam inbox or something but it was like here's your permit hey there you go it's like sweet no shit yeah It'd be awesome if for the jaw tags for hunting, you only had to wait three weeks. Yeah, right? yeah, it seemed it seemed pretty quick. Like, you know, the fall goes by so fast. So maybe I'm wrong there, but it, it seemed uh, fast. Yeah, maybe we can get fishing game to let us do a party tag on these whitefish too. We can get like yeah. six of our buddies <laughs> together. Like, we got six households in on this tag. Uh, <laughs> that's too much. Yeah. Well, it's um, nice too. I mean, you know, Olness is right there, so you got a beautiful campground. You got bathrooms. You know. Everything's yeah. set up. Like, yeah. if you want to spend a weekend, it's 
easy, like right, right there to do it. And it's open. It's only open from the Elliott Bridge down to the pipeline where the pipeline crosses yep. the, the Chattanooga, right? Yep. Yeah. I know guys that have taken airboats and rigged up tons of lights on the airboats and gone down river further mm. and gone down closer down towards the pipeline on some gravel bars and... They said it was difficult. They put a bunch of lights on the front of the boat, and then they anchor the boat in the middle of the river and like try and spear out of the boat. But they said the boat in the river, for some reason, the fish didn't want to go under the boat. They would always like they said they could see the fish coming, and they'd just peel apart and like circle around the boat and then come back together again and keep moving upstream. I mean, if you have a airboat just lying around and you want to burn some fuel i guess it's a great right. great excuse to bust it out but right. not all of us are so fortunate so. well yeah but i mean <laughs> one last little shake it's down just before you put her away different yeah. ways that other people do it you yeah. know it's like i mean people have been doing it for a long time i'm assuming it, you go back far enough and it was just go do it yeah. you know there's no get a permit no nothing just yeah. you know it was probably staple for a lot of people in fairbanks to be like oh the chattanooga the Whitefish are running. It's time to go up and get our whitefish for the year. you got to think, even when the <clears throat> salmon runs were good, you know, or better than they are now, you know, there's got to be years back then when they're, they weren't. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. we didn't get any salmon this year. Let's get go out and harvest a bunch of whitefish. Yeah. Yeah. And pike and whatever. But yeah, I'm sure whitefish, like you said, was a huge staple. Yeah. From year to year on, you know, it's a great fish and it's, you know, lots of oil in it. It's got lots of everything you need in there. Like, I mean, the she fish that we catch in the spring. Uh, it's the I think that whitefish is probably smoked is the best smoked fish. Yeah, it's unreal. Like, it's unreal. Yeah. It's so oily. It's just absolutely amazing. Yeah, we used to catch them back in Minnesota. Back there, we call them tulipy, but it's the exact same fish, just you know, a different area. So they call them something else. Were they in lakes or in rivers? In or? the lakes in the winter time, yeah. we'd always fish them hard water, and we'd always fish them between you know, like sixty and a hundred and some feet of water. You'd have to find those lakes that were really deep. How, what were you fishing for them with? Uh, I've just, never caught like seen plenty of them while I'm fishing for grayling or whatever in the summer. Never once have I ever caught one. Yeah, we just fish them with little jigs, you know, little Swedish pimples and stuff like that. And they actively bite? In the wintertime, yeah. I've never caught one outside of winter. Like, huh? up here, I, we've seen a bunch, like when we're out spearing too, a couple of lakes that we spear on mm-hmm. for pike, we have them come into the hole, and they'll eat those suckers, like, you know, our herring, call them suckers because that's what i'm used to but yeah yeah they'll eat the herring that you throw down the hole after you're done fishing for the day you come yeah. back and you can see where the whitefish have cleaned them up you know but hmm. they will not bite worth a heck and then you know back home one of the tricks was you always use a chunk of like corn on the cob you know just the kernel yeah put that on a little jig and we've tried that out there and they don't bite for nothing in the winter up here huh but it's um, nice because they're rough fish so if you're good enough with the spear you can spear them out of those lakes huh it's it's a pain because you know usually we're spearing in like 10 to 12 feet of water and they're always right on bottom so you got to be a the pike are no the, oh, white the, fish. the white fish are when yeah. you're yep and it's fully legit to spear any like yep. anything when you're yeah, in those they're a rough fish so yeah and there's no limit right well maybe on the lake there is a limit maybe like 10 or something we never get that many so it don't matter but yeah white fish are always on the bottom and the pike will hang like mid-current you know like three to six feet down out of the ice so that's why you have a better chance bearing those pike and you just decoy the pike yeah 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 <clears throat> yeah the old red and white all the time even a good just daredevil flasher brings them in 
just don't put hooks on it and just flash it. And, yeah, or you can. You can do both. Because you can here. be jigging and spearing at right. the same time. Yep. No shit. Yeah. Or a lot of times you throw a herring, you know, just so you get that oil in the water. That seems to help a lot. Huh. But yeah, our buddy, uh, we were out at the lake with him two, three years ago and spearing pike, and uh, he's a good shot. He speared, I think he speared three He's that a great year. shot, yeah. yeah. I don't know how he did. Yeah. I, I mean, I've thrown at hundreds of these things and never even fucking come close. Yeah, he's good So at he it. smokes three of them. You're talking about the white the fish, fish again. Yeah. yeah. Okay. On the bottom, at yeah. like 12 feet of water, takes them home, and he smoked them, you know, pretty much the same way I think we smoke ours. And he brought him over, and I hadn't had a good smoked whitefish since I moved to Alaska. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, this thing is so delicious. Any yeah. details? Like, how does he do it? How do you guys do it? Um, Tara, give you the recipe. She, yeah, uh, this year I got a recipe from a guy at uh, Ivory Jacks that I just talked to every <laughs> once in a while. And he's like, oh, man. Happens yeah, right he, well, he goes up there, and he tries catching them with rod and reel in the fall. So I was like... Oh, you know, I got this permit. I'm going to go spear some. And he was like, oh, I don't like holes in my white fish. And I'm like, well, you got to be somewhat. <laughs> he of- goes up there and actively fishes for them. Yeah, he fishes for them. And it- because you, so you, can you just fish for them? All year like round. that? Yeah. Year round, it doesn't matter. Yep. Yeah. Even up there on the Chattanooga where the spear fishing's going on. Yep. I won't say no. that I know all the regulations, but yeah, you can go. No shit. Actively just try to get them on a, on a pole. Huh. But he um did he say is he catch him up there? He says he catches he's, he's them. Yeah. Out how to do it? Yeah. yeah. He showed me a picture, mm. and the last thing he caught was his pants. <laughs> so <Jesus>. he got, <laughs> which was pretty. His own pair of pants. His own pair of pants. <laughs> yeah, with his, with whatever lure he had, he somehow like snagged it back, and then he thought he had one, and it jumped and got his pants, and then got all tingled up. Holy shit. Both times. But yeah, he yeah. gave me a recipe and he said uh, it was two gallons of water and then uh, two pounds of rock salt and then two cups of sugar, uh, brown sugar, and 12 ounces of molasses. And then I, did, I didn't go quite that heavy with the salt. He said he got some feedback and one lady was like, Ah, a little salty for me, so I I went down right. to like I think it was two, one pound. Um, so I cut the salt in half, and they turned out great. And then, um, really low temperature, smoked for eight or nine hours. Long time, yeah. Yeah, with and I used hickory, and then um, they didn't quite get the dryness that I wanted. It was also like twenty below outside in the smoker. So then we finished them off for. Maybe an hour or so in the oven at like 180, 200. Yeah. Uh, Okay, right on. Just so it would get that nice, you know, crust on that brown crust on the outside is what I'm like. Plus, you just don't want them too soft on the inside. When they're they're mushy on the inside, it's like paste. Even if they taste delicious, if that texture is off, then it ruins the whole fish. I like the flakes of meat to yeah. like when you bite it it breaks at the each flake and comes apart so exactly my, the recipe i did i f- i found like four or five different recipes that i was doing the she fish in the spring mm-hmm. and it's uh, this year i it smoked for a long time but last two years ago i guess it was it didn't seem like it smoked that long but it's june alaska yeah it's nice out um but no. i was using a gallon of water cup of salt, a cup of brown sugar, a quarter of a cup of soy sauce, and a quarter of a cup of crushed garlic. 
and I'd leave it in the fridge overnight, take it out and pat everything dry and then leave yeah. it out to sit. You got to like, develop the um, pel- peloton or pel- pellicle, I think it is. That's oh, what really? so that yeah, that tacky is that with that tacky? Yeah. Okay, right on. So yeah, it's pretty much the pores opening up enough to take smoke. Yeah, so it gets tacky, and you can feel it. it's almost like paste on the mm-hmm. outside. You touch it, and it like sticks to your it skin. It should almost pick up on your finger. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So I wait for that, and then um, I just smoke until it's done. And it says set the smoke to two, temp one eighty to two hundred, and once it hits one hundred and sixty internally. Let it go for like another thirty minutes. Yep. And the first the first year that I did it, I think it turned out really, really good. Everybody that I gave it to was like, "Holy shit, this is fucking good." Yeah. And then last year, I think I gave you some from the stuff that I did last yeah. year. Texture was just a little wasn't off. fuck. You know, and it was yeah. really weird because I followed the exact same everything, and it never like that first year it got super like dark brown and both times i used alder pellets to do it but last year for some reason it wouldn't get that real brown exterior on it and it wasn't cooked interior like the interior of it wasn't like what we were just talking about where it's like flakes apart yeah it's and hard it, to get sometimes. It really is. And I was like, why is that? Like, well, wonder what the fuck the deal is. It could have been the humidity, the definitely. temperature out, like yeah. any number of a hundred different things, like atmospherically, I think. Like, it had to do something with, like, temperature, humidity, what, you know. All day. Yeah. <clears throat> I think anybody that's, like, really serious into their smoking keeps those kind of notes, you know. Like, yeah. I did it. It was 68 degrees Ooh, out. We right. had 47% humidity with a three-knot wind, you know, like. Yeah. Because those variables are going to change everything. Like, if you go from a 40% humidity day to a 90% humidity day. You know, it's sucking in that humid air, so now you're blasting that on it instead, you know, and it's going to change your whole smoke. Well, I know I've talked to people. Well, you just said it was cold when you were smoking it. I know people that won't even, people that do, like, uh, cold smoke, uh, salmon, won't even do it until it's, like, colder than zero. Like, zero or colder. Colder. And then, okay, now I I can do my cold smoke on my... On my salmon. Which yeah, when you want to keep it like less shit. than like cold smoke 100 salmon. degrees or whatever, right at 100 degrees, if it's 20 degrees or, you know, 80 degrees outside, like in July, you're mm-hmm. not going to be exactly getting what you want. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that like cold smoke, I don't like as much. I don't like locks is disgusting nasty oh i love like, it you do uh, huh yeah Some but shit. i i've been doing that um the last time i did locks i've been locks and capers locks oh, capers onion. red onion yeah. uh, all all oh, of it oh, cream so cheese good. on a bagel it's like oh, the, yeah fuck, classic you know, with the shit that i smoke you can do anything with it everybody anytime anybody ever talks about locks they're always like oh cream cheese and a bagel and capers oh, so and like red onion and it's like i i mean i get it it's good but it's like Okay, what else can you do with it? Yeah. I just never liked it. It's almost like it's not It's it's like if I'm going to eat salmon and sushi raw all day. It's kind of like it's halfway between a raw and a cooked and like you didn't really know what the fuck you were doing and you just kind of like, <laughs> right. you go. You're like, "Well, it seems okay. Here you go." And a certain group of people just loved it. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. Anybody who doesn't know how to smoke salmon, they're like, we're going to call it locks. Yeah. yeah. This is the fuck up in between. Friend showed up too early, so you got to serve them something, and yeah. this is what you have. It's not yeah. quite done yet. 
We, uh, oh, shit. we cold smoke our salmon, but then we pressure cook it for the firmness, you know. And once yep. it's in the jar, then it's a whole different ball game again, you know. And yep. I, I absolutely love that. That's my favorite way of salmon. Like I, I like the, the squaw candy or you know the strips or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, out of the jar is just phenomenal in my opinion. That some of that stuff, like buddy of mine Seth, he's gives some stuff. He's putting honey. Some of it he did maple syrup, and it's like, it's like you're eating candy bars, right? It's too much. Well, I mean, it's Pine, good. Don't get me juice. wrong, but yeah, something. There good. you go. Right on. Yeah. Pineapple yeah. juice is good. But it is like you said. It's like am I eating fish or am I eating candy? You know, yeah. there's like a kind of a line for me anyway. I mean, I teach his own. I get it. You know, and right. that's that's totally fine too. However you want to do it. But to me, I'm like one. I really don't like salmon that much. I'd much rather eat halibut or lingcod or you know, and chief fish, pike. white fish, something <laughs> yeah. like a a white fish. Yeah. Um, and I really like, like Carrie makes an awesome, she smokes salmon and then cans it and like some jalapeno in some of it, not in some of the other stuff. And I really like that a lot. Like if I'm going to eat salmon, I'd prefer it to be smoked, smoked fish, you know? We, uh, we got some salmon this year from a buddy and they got a wheel down in Copper Center and, uh, they've been doing it for 50 years, you know, so they're professionals. They got it figured out, but they do like, it's not a real heavy smoke, but somehow, they dry it out to the point where it's like just has this tiny amount of moisture content in it, and it is some of the best smoked salmon I've ever. Are had you in talking my life. about that can that from Eddie? Yeah, yeah, it's oh, just unbelievable, unreal. Like I've really, had, yeah, I've super had, good. Huh? I've had a hundred so different people's canned salmon, you know, and it's always usually run of the mill. Like I figure mine's kind of run of the mill. Like it's not bad. It's a, it's good, but it's not yeah. like oh my god type shit. And this stuff, you crack right. it, jar's gone instantly. Like, huh. and I've never had it taste like that before i don't know how they get just this perfect like moisture content in there somehow where it's huh. almost dry but it's still you know got a little bit to your palate and it's oh it's so phenomenal. once it's canned there's no liquid being put in it like you smoke it and when you can it it's actually it's the juices out of the fish that are in the it. jar well we put a uh, half a teaspoon of extra virgin olive oil yeah, and Carrie yeah. puts a little liquid just to in lube some up of it the jar. Too. Yeah, keep it going right away. <clears throat> yeah, but then you know you pull your. We do all half pints, and then when you pull a half pint jar out, it's half full of liquid. You know, once it, it exactly from all the moisture that comes out of the fish yep. when you actually can it. Right. Yeah. Do you know anybody that has an actual canner? The first time I ever came up to Alaska, I visited people that um, I grew up near them in in Vermont, and then they their parents moved up to Soldatna and they had a place right on the Kenai River and the first time I ever came up here we went and caught fish right off their dock and you know pumpies but it was just like coming up here to Alaska I was just like fish every time you put your line in the water you got fish <laughs> on I was like oh my god this is amazing you know but they had an actual canner it was like when a green t- cans not jars you're talking just a tin canner. like a tin canner yep and I've never seen anybody I've, since then that has one. I know people have them. You we can, saw one for sale on Facebook, Facebook yeah, Marketplace last year, I think, and we almost you were can, like, you can yeah, buy let's them brand buy new it, on Amazon. Are they expensive? They're not bad. I think the brand new one is like 160 bucks. Oh, that's not too bad at all. And then oh, I know shit. they sell just the tins at Century. You can get them in town. Oh, you can. Century does have the tins. Oh, okay, right on. But I do. I know one person who does it, and that's Steve. You know, he's old really? school. Yep. Oh, no shit. And that's how he's always done. He either does, you know, he ha- he's had the wheel up there on the Yukon forever. Mm-hmm. And so it was either 
the bellies and those all get stripped and then he sells just salmon strips by the pound and then everything else gets canned in a tin can right there at camp he brings the canner with him and all the cans and everything he yep. does all the work right there yep they smoke it they can it everything's comes out of their process done ready for sale I think it. I think it has great applications for like you know when you go to the field, then you can. Oh, for sure. It's way lighter, but like for just being in town and like passing stuff to friends, I think uh, jarring jars yeah. are just fine. Yeah, yeah. you wouldn't want to yeah. like do your if you were going to go down to uh, Chitna or something and get all your fish, and then you were going to do a bunch of smoked and jarred stuff do it all in that because like right. part of the fun is you know getting the jars back with something else in it or yeah, you know no whatever you we know. talk about carrie talks yeah. about that all the time She's you like, get jars back oh what am i gonna get this? What am <laughs> i, I gonna get, get jars back, back jar? with thing, yeah. things in it yeah, yeah. sometimes mm-hmm. if people know what they're doing yeah you get something back with right it in there i would yeah. like the tin canner for like hunting trips you know yeah that way you have a heavy ass glass jar well and you're worried about smashing it too yeah Uh, i mean those things are pretty hard pressed to break the glass jars yeah like especially a half pint i mean you can do it for sure throwing your pack on a rock or something yeah for sure but but i mean sending some something down to your parents like that would be much easier but i do love that your parents are very good about sending stuff back they're like the the jars out of all the people that we give salmon to or my folks that are three (laughs) thousand miles away just because they want more you know so like they'll throw in an extra and then my mom always sends up random jars that we reuse, but she saves, like, every jar she comes across. You know, she grew up dirt floor poor, so she'll send us up, like, salsa, and it's in this random-ass, like, yeah. jar from who knows where. Like, what, what, what is this from, Mom? And she's mm-hmm. like, I don't know, but it resealed, so here you go. <laughs> you yeah, know? exactly. Usually she'll do, like, she does a lot of applesauce. She'll send us that, and then uh, tomato soup and uh, salsa. Those are, like, the three I steal from her. Care at... When I first met Carrie, she was always she always used the lid, a new lid. She's constantly buying new lids, I not do. the threads, but the yeah. actual seal, the rubber gasket part of the lids. Yeah, and I was like, don't have to. Growing up, my mom always was just like reusing. If you don't use, if you don't use the, something to break it open, you know, like it, you don't bend it with a spoon you or something. get a hold of it with a like four fingers, and you yeah. just kind of like work at it until it pops. What she did a lot was she'd take the threaded cap off and flip it and put it under her finger and use that to pop it, and it bends it high in one spot every time. And I was like, well, if we just – I was like, I swear my mom uses these things over and over and over again. And sure enough, I talked to my mom. She was like, oh, yeah, I've used some of these lids yeah. for 10, 15 years. They yeah. just keep using them over Car- and over Carl and over too. again. The issue, I think, is – is it is a lot of fucking work to get to the point where it goes into the fucking pressure cooker and if it doesn't seal you're pissed off well and <laughs> you know it costs for a dozen new lids it's like it, two dollars yeah but when you, you know? can't when you can't find them this is true there you go exactly yeah. but i'm pretty sure like any actual jar that's sealed when you get it will reseal because my mom will send me soup and it's in like the tostinos like you know a queso that right Next to the chips, you know, with the it's a one piece freaking lid, but it has the button oh. on it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. She reuses those. Yeah, it, I'll get something in. And I'm like, well, this ain't freaking queso. Like, what the hell, mom? And she's like, oh no, they work fine as long mm. as there's a button in them. They'll real seal. And there's, I mean, there's a lot of different. I mean, some of the stuff there's a lot of differences too. It's like some stuff's getting hot water bath to boil. Some stuff's getting pressure, co- you know, pressure canned. Yeah, we had a bad run in with that this year. 
With the pressure? Yeah. Well, just the difference. (laughs) (laughs) So it had been a while. We haven't, you know, we haven't had the need really to go to Chitna in a few years. Mm -hmm. um, Just because we still have smoked jarred salmon and... We don't really some, eat fresh either. We yeah, we've had a it. we've mm-hmm. had friends bring us over enough that we're like, all right, that was you know good for the summer or whatever. Mm-hmm. Don't need like I don't know sixty fish. Like we're not going to eat that. We're not going to collect that. Like yeah, so to, just so we can give it to a dog musher the next spring. You know, like oh my food's all freezer burned. Yeah. So anybody want this? That shit. It, yeah, it happens ruffles my all feathers. the time. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. So, so we haven't done that. So it's been a few <clears throat> years since I've done any actual pressure cooking. I've mostly been like doing garden stuff and like just doing the uh, hot water baths. So, you know, I'm trying to take care of this. Um, so we're making bone broth this year. Oh, bone broth. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. We shoot yeah. a moose, and uh, usually we give the bones away. And my buddy Justin was like, "Yo, I make bone broth all the time. Like, you need to do it. Like, it's where it's at. Like, then you don't have to." buy broth at all like he's like yeah. one moose and i i had two legs off a of moose he tells me how to do it and everything you know he's like cut them up baste them with tomato paste i guess the acidity in the tomato paste really opens the pores up for when you start boiling them down you know it helps a ton mm-hmm. so we're doing this and tara ends up she's got like a monday tuesday off or something and we're doing this on a sunday so we fill up this giant he's got like a 50, well, it's not 50, but 30-gallon crock, and it's got a temperature gauge on it and a spigot at the bottom. Like, this thing is set up for making fucking bone broth. (laughs) Like, this dude is serious about his bone broth, so he gives us this. So we get all the bones basted, you know, and throw them in there, and then Tara's got a bunch of uh, celery leaves, and we throw carrots and potatoes, you know, everything in there that you need. And it's got to boil for, like, eight hours or simmer for eight hours, you know, around 200 degrees, so... Let it go all day, and by the time it's done simmering, it's late. So we just put it in these, you know, I got some commercial, like, food-grade totes. So we fill up these two totes. We got about five gallons of bone broth. And next morning, I got to go to work. And Tara's like, hey, no worries. I'll uh, I'll take care of uh, pressure cooking it tomorrow because I thought <laughs> I thought you could water bath it, you know, because it's already cooked. You know, the, the shit's done. Right. Turns out to kill whatever that tr- – it's not trichinoma, whatever the – bacteria that can grow in your meat you know bone broth it has to be pressure cooked okay yeah that makes sense salmon you know we have to pressure cook salmon up here for like 10 pounds 110 minutes you know to cook a salmon well it's bone broth means it's already done it's like 10 pounds but you only have to do it for like 25 minutes and i was like all right i'm going to work she's got this under control you know it's like one batch you know so i take off and uh terry can tell you the rest of the story yeah so i I, like, get them all set. You know, I sterilize the lids. You know, some are used, some are new. And, and I'm like, all right, I got this. Got it. the two-burner out on the porch. And I'm like, all right, I'm going for it. I have both pressure cookers up there. I stack them, and then I'm, like, adding water. <laughs> like, it's a hot water bath. And I'm like, what is going on? I'm like, this feels weird, but I'm going to roll with it. Put the lids on it. Get one of the burners going. Get the other one burnt burning i'm like so between the two you know i started one maybe about 15 minutes earlier than the other one and i'm like you know the water is all the way up to the lids (laughs) these pressure cans and i was like something doesn't feel right and then like it's just not acting right like for the pressure canners Uh, i just turn it off and i'm like I'm going to go back to, like, basics here. So I go back to, the, like, the UAF extension website. I'm like, pressure canning. They're like, yeah, 
No, like just put like a inch or two of water in, in the there. bottom. Yeah, halfway up the bottom row of jars. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit! Yeah. So the bottom ones are yeah. Submerged. No, yeah. yeah um, so yeah. I I pull out the cans and like I just ended up doing a, like a hard reset and like re-sterilize the lids because some of them were closed but they hadn't been pressurized so it was yeah. like you don't know what shel- shelf stable at that point like yeah square one i don't D- want yeah don't want the botulism in the that's, house that's you know botulism yeah <clears throat> yeah don't want to give out the botulism don't want the botulism exactly good so good call. So yeah. We, yeah. Between the two pressure cookers that we have, we you know, I got a propane two burner we put on the porch to do it and between the two pressure cookers, I think we can get like 14 pints in each one. So Something she's like looking that. at 28 pint jars that she has to redo now. Oh, so instead of it being shit. I was like when I went to work thinking it was like all right, she's got like a couple hours and she'll have all this done. I get home from work at like five o'clock, and she was just setting the last jar down. Oh. And yeah. I'm like, "Hey, how's it going?" She's like, "I don't want to fucking talk about it." <laughs> oh, like, <laughs> yeah, but uh, 37 <laughs> pints of bone broth later. Yeah, I'm pretty gallons. happy with it. Yeah. It's work. Yeah, it was work, but it was um, good. I think None of this shit's easy. Yeah, and I it's think what it's well worth it to. for broth. Like, yeah, um, shit's expensive. You know, and yeah, you yeah. Can make it for damn near free. We had a little bit of propane, five gallons of water, and. Some vegetables that we grew, and yeah. then the moose that we shot into the batch, and that was it. Yeah, you know, I don't yeah. think we put salt in it. Even I think they say to salt uh, it afterwards. I think, we, I think we did. Did we do put a some? There was some salt in there, but not yeah. a ton because you know, like the lower sodium broth at the store is more expensive anyway. So. Right. You might as well start out with the expensive shit, and you can yeah. make it whatever you want. Yeah. I slap- That's what I'm always like suspect with a lot of salt on stuff because. Man, you can always fucking add salt to something, but you can't get it out once no. it's there, you know? It's like, just leave it be. Yeah. Carrie cuts a lot of recipes and stuff that we have, like sugar, salt, like half whatever it says for sugar, half whatever it says for salt, and like stuff like that. And it's always like easy to get it to where yeah. you want it afterwards. Like with the, exactly. the whitefish, exactly you know, right. just cutting the salt from the brine in half like from what was recommended that was easy enough it was like you'll cut it in half somebody said it was too salty you know mm-hmm. you can you're gonna add some of it to dips and cream exactly. cheeses There's gonna be so or much whatever. other stuff yeah, yeah. you can yeah. supplement then but yeah we still actually have five of the white fish to smoke um just because yeah. i didn't want to if i messed it up I don't want to mess up all of them. Do a sample sample yeah. run so, first. But yeah. hopefully now I can recreate the second half or or maybe even try just a different recipe so, yeah. or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I found too, like, you get home and you slap an organic sticker on that bone broth bottle and then it doubles the price too. Right. Like, there you yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I find that a lot of people that give you... Um, Fish that they smoked is, or fish that they dried is salty, like a lot. Yeah, of yeah. It. Um, I don't know why. Like, if they, a lot of the recipes just call for a lot of salt, or if people don't rinse stuff, because that was part of my thing I, that I, I have think. written down. I'm like, you got to rinse this shit. You got to rinse it thoroughly and like get your hands on it and like yeah. rinse it off and then pat it dry and let it tack. And I think that a lot of people just. I mean, I'm assuming, I guess, that a lot of people just pull it and don't rinse it is yeah. why it ends up being so salty. 
We that, actually let the whitefish um, soak in cold, like clear water, you know, rinse it off really well in the sink mm-hmm. and then let it sit um, outside because it wasn't that cold yet. So like the water wasn't freezing, you know, if you left it out for a few hours, but just let it sit in that cool water and it kind of mm-hmm. helps flesh it out too. You know? Right on. Nice. So, yeah. That makes sense. For sure. Better too. Yeah. Before it sets. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it came out killer. Yeah. I got past it around a little bit, and I haven't had any complaints yet. Right on. Nice. Took a chunk to deer camp, and it went instantly. Instantly. Yeah, Carl's friend uh, loaned us some paddles for his raft that he needed, and then I said, oh, here, he's in the driveway. I said, oh, here's a paddle. He was like, oh, what? And it was a whitefish. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Paddle whitefish. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, he's yeah. a he's a weird Iowa. He said it was good though. I asked him about it. Oh, you yeah. saw him afterwards. I have. Oh, yeah. nice. He said they used to. Uh, his grandpa take him like the general store. He grew up in Iowa, mm-hmm. and they'd buy a smoked whitefish and black licorice. And he said that is the greatest combo ever. And I was like, Are that you sounds sh- disgusting. But stuff that sounds disgusting <laughs> right. is sometimes fucking works. awesome a right? lot of the time. Yeah. No shit. <clears throat> Black licorice and smoked whitefish, huh? Yeah. He said that's like the thing that when his grandpa would take him there, that's what he wanted. And that's what his grandpa would buy, too. Like, they'd be driving home popping whitefish and <laughs> black licorice. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Huh. Worth a try. I guess. Scandinavians, man. Love their black licorice. It is delicious. It is good. I like yeah. it, too. It's yeah. not, not everybody likes, likes no. licorice, black licorice. Like real licorice, yeah, real licorice, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's worth what's saying. that? A gum we used to sell when I was a kid at our store, blackjack. You ever have that shit? I don't think so. It's like blackjack licorice gum. Mm. Comes still comes. You can get it at Joanne's. I just saw it like a week ago. We really went in there with Carrie, <laughs> and there's like. You can't even find those fucking packs of gum. Like Wrigley's yeah. gum used to come in those little, little five, five stick packs, packs for twenty cents or whatever. Foil. Exactly. Yeah. They have that shit in there, in Joanne's still right now, and they have blackjack in there. Wow! Did you yeah. buy one? I didn't. Oh, I was just like, man, whatever. All right, See Christmas is, here. Uh, is around there, the corner, right? right I'm expecting so. blackjack yeah. gum from everyone. <laughs> we get you four packs. Oh man! <laughs> Holy shit! Well, I don't know how it's much it costs. It's probably like. Yeah, it's probably like a dollar fifty for a Ooh. fucking five sticks of gum now. Yeah, back, but it's probably seventy five cents off or seventy five percent off if it's at Jones. But maybe, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it was interesting though. It's the first time in fuck twenty years that I've seen a five pack of gum. You know what I mean? Long time. Yeah, that yeah. shit. There's nobody has that shit anymore. No. Yeah. Um, yeah, some of like the gas stations around here, like the Fox, they they still carry the big hunks. So, like that's the my favorite. That's like a big. Can- it's a candy bar, right? It is a candy bar. Yeah, yeah. 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 We're digressing to candy bars. Yeah, but, right. Um, now we've gone from like oh, fuck salmon. I want candy bars. Yeah, and fucking gum. <laughs> um. So, whitefish spearing. What do you think? You've done it before. I mean, how? Any yeah. any kind of like final thoughts on the whole process? Anything that stood out in your in um, your head? That yeah, was yeah. The most thing I was surprised by, like having done it back in whenever two thousand nine, and then going now, like 
I definitely forgot about the refraction. <laughs> yeah. So when you're when you're in the river, mm-hmm. you know, you're definitely dealing with the elements a little bit and your footing and you know, it's like some current going through and but then, you know, flip on the light, you have to think about the refraction. So it looks like your spear's damn near bent in half sometimes, you know. Yeah. So oh, yeah. you like go to get them and and it's not always going to be a hundred percent shot. And sometimes you get one tine in it. There was that one shot I took. I got only one tine in the damn fish. And I was like, Carl and Carl get another came- spear on it. Yeah. Get another spear on it. And he came over and he <laughs> joined in with the spearing fun. Just so I wouldn't lose the one, you know, which was um, super helpful. And yeah. I think a technique, you know, if you only have one spear in the damn thing, you're worried about losing it. Yeah. That's kind of nice that it is a, like, so, such a group kind of right. fishery. Yeah. Can yeah. Easily ask somebody for help. Um, and they do look a lot bigger, too, in the water. They look oh, huge. Yeah. And then, Massive. yeah. I was really surprised that night that we didn't see anyone. Like, there was 300 permits. Like, it was getting late in the game. Like, yeah. I don't know if everybody had already done theirs or if... Could could be. How many people, you know, get a permit and don't fish it, too? I I'm bet sure it's probably half, you know. It's a lot like, I'm sure, any of the job permit stuff that right. a lot of people in... November, December, like gung ho, thinking like, "Fuck yeah, I'm gonna go into Toke or Delta or whatever." Like, yeah. oh, I'm going sheep hunting, and then it comes time to go, and they're like, "Oh, I gotta walk." This is like in the miles? middle of the summer. Oh, I, I don't, I'm not doing shit. I don't have time for this, you know. Or, yeah. or they didn't book an airplane, you know? Like, <laughs> oh, I gotta fly there, and now everybody's right. booked. I, know, I think like, I saw one of the permits came out of because it shows you. I looked at the list of the 300 just to see if I knew anyone that got one, and one was like. Out of Juno, I was like, "What are you? Are you're like, hopefully, serious. It's, hopefully, yeah. it's like a UAF student or something that signed oh, up. Okay. <laughs> you know, because there was some like out of Soldatna too that we were like, well, we really hope that they were all college kids or you know, somebody's up here for a job or something. Because like, yeah. otherwise, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you're yeah. gonna drive from that would should be weird. Like Soldatna to Fairbanks to, to catch ten whitefish. <laughs> yeah, it's like just yeah. go out on the beach and snag a couple of halibut or whatever you guys yeah. do down there. You know, so, like yeah. do fingers the stuff crossed. Subsistence wise, that you do yeah. in your area, you have to assume that it's. Pro- I mean, that's what we're hoping. It's like yeah. somebody up here for work or because that's college. Because a- otherwise, it, that's kind of a dirtbag move. Because it's like you're well, taking a permit out of somebody else's pocket that could. It'd be weird that if they even allowed people that weren't. It's it seems like it should just it be like statewide. You can just anybody I, can put in for it. I, I mean, I think so. Guess so. Huh? Yeah. You'd think it'd just be like a borough thing. Well, that's what I was just going to say. Is like you'd think you'd have to live here yeah. at least yeah. in the borough to you know or whatever. Kind of like subsistence hunts. You know, you got to be in that area to qualify for that subsistence hunt, right? Because I mean, whitefish it is kind of a subsistence type deal you know the way we're doing it like you're just going out and harvesting fish you're not fishing you're just out there harvesting yeah which is super fun but you know you're just out there doing the thing huh yeah i'd be curious i wonder if fishing game puts out something that says like how many fish were taken and i'm sure that i mean that's all public all it's all available information look at it yeah i'd be curious to see how many fish got Three hundred permits, ten of household was that three thousand fish. So I'd be curious to see how many fish got taken out of there for that permit. Yeah. 
But I bet in the time that I stood there while you guys were spearing we fish, saw 10, I saw ten thousand fish. I was just gonna say there I were so I, many. I bet I saw ten thousand fish. I bet I saw way more fish than were allowable oh. harvest. <laughs> yeah, just while we were there for like three or four hours. I'm still upset. <clears throat> you know, Tara had her trapping lights. I'm still upset she didn't snap that beaver that almost. Got oh her. my god. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. I mean, a trapping license says any means. You know, she could have speared that. I thing. can't believe you guys lied to me. I was like, "Is that beaver? Cl- is that really a beaver?" Like, no, it's no. Oh, it, you're fine. It, yeah, you're fine. He's way up river. It's like uh, twenty feet from me. Oh, like, it was a little more than that. It was like twenty-two. Right. <laughs> yeah, you could still see it with the the headlamp from the bank, though. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Yeah, good, part good, of the fun. Good shit. Yeah, we were just on a beaver rampage this year, too, so. Yeah. Beaver fever. Yep. They are lousy in the country right now. Like, I don't think, with the price of fur, you know, like, I just don't think anybody's doing it, because there's no money in it. Why? You know what's crazy is I think that if, as far as fur goes, beaver's almost one of the only ones to be. Is it still selling for something? Getting right now, yeah. At yeah. least it was something that I heard not maybe, you know, little little a few months back or whatever was like the only thing that's actually has any value, which is still not pitiful. No value. value. Yeah. yeah. Um is beaver because people are you know, making more stuff out of beaver than almost anything else that's actually getting used right, right now. Um Yeah, we're keeping so. all of ours for personal product mm-hmm. placement, so Heck yeah. I'm really pumped about these hand warmers we're making out of it. Just like a yeah. double-sided, you know, that yeah, goes underneath like your bino pouch. pouch. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be sweet. Yeah. We got Temples. He just sent me a picture this morning. of He's got the leather all leather all sewn. Talked to a couple of different people. Carrie's hat, just you get sweat in them, and the, the um, beaver hide gets hard, and then it cracks after a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. And her hat broke open in the front, and Temple kind of fixed it, and then it broke again. And Temple was like, "I don't, I don't want to pull it apart and fix it. Just let me make you another hat." So then I talked to somebody else because she was like, she's had it for a long time. She got it when she was, you know, working out in the village, and had somebody that she knew made it for her. And I talked to some other people that are trappers, and his wife is a she sews and makes hats and mitts and all sort of stuff, and. They were just like, well, we're out all winter trapping. We basically each have a hat. We start the winter, and at the end of the winter, it's pretty much done. Throw it away. Yeah. Damn. Just built and make another one. And that's like every day, sweating hard, using this stuff. And I was like, well, would your wife be willing to like take this one apart? And he's like, it's not worth it. It's just yeah. don't yeah. get don't get attached to shit and yeah. get a, get another one, you know? And I was like, okay, that's two people now that have just been like, it's not worth you know, the effort that it takes to, like, pull it apart, pull panels out, put it back together, you know. And well, you think, too, like, if it's breaking at one seam or one part, it's ready It's exactly to what this else. guy told me. He was yeah. like, if you fix that one, then the other side's going to break, and then the other side's going to break, and then you're just like, why didn't I just get a new hat? So we went and met, met with Temple the other, the other evening, and he had a hat that uh, he had made. It was a beautiful hat, all beaver. Um but canvas and she wanted leather. No. Uh, so, and he didn't have any, he's been selling some stuff. And so he brought pictures and showed us all the different leather choices that he had. And she picked out a black mm. and 
he sent me a picture this morning. He's got like all the leathers already all sewed together and everything. And I was like, damn, man, nice. I want it. Yeah. yeah. So Carrie's about to have a nice brand new beaver hat. Well, you take a uh, fur that's worth no money and then somebody wants you to make it worth money and it's going to pay you. I guess you yep. turn that around pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. He probably yeah. gets what, 225, 250 for a hat like that? I don't, I honestly, I would think. No idea. Yeah. I couldn't even throw a number out there. I know that. I listened to the on air auction. Mm-hmm. Is this today is today's Sunday. Sunday. It was so it was yesterday. Was that right? Yeah. The you know how they do that every year on the radio stations, you can like buy all these gifts oh, yeah. certificates, like fifty percent off this or whatever. They had a hat from some uh fur place. I don't know if it was, I think it was a place in Anchorage. Um but it's like you send in your measurements, they make custom hat, and it was like five hundred and eighty bucks or something like that. Ouch! For a beaver hat. Yeah. Yeah. I got a white fox and canvas hat when I worked in Nome back in twenty eleven, and I think it was around two hundred bucks then. So I think yeah. it was slightly under, maybe, and yeah, still it's in t- good condition though, because I haven't used it because it's so pretty. Uh, so that I don't, uh, so yeah. don't want to wear it too yeah. often. Yeah. Um, I funny. the stuff is awesome. I I wear a beaver hat. Yeah. they're amazing. It does the trick. I mean, it's yeah. They're all they're cracked up to be. For yeah. Sure. There's no no shit there. Are you guys gonna jump into deer talk? Yeah. At some soon? point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we can start. I mean, I don't even know how long we've been. Bullshit in here. Yeah. We're an hour into it right now. Okay. I'll sign off and You're gonna sign off? Go home, say hi to Carrie and Right on. Well, yeah. thank you very much. I'm glad you um, came on and talk yeah. talk about spearfishing and everything. It's yeah, not, well I don't thanks think for joining us on the uh on the bank and making shadow nice (laughs) that was the most entertaining part for me when i was standing in the water right it's like oh look at all these people making shadow humans on the bank Mm -hmm. it was fantastic yeah we were having a good time that night we certainly were no doubt about it here we are back again back at it one amigo down yep tara was she says that she's heard the deer hunting stories from Carl three times now, and she doesn't need to hear him a fourth. <laughs> <laughs> three is probably an understatement. Yeah, I'm sure. I was home for like, uh, I don't know, I got home super late Monday night, like 1230 that night, and didn't even go to bed. You know, I smelled like a hobo that had been living in a sewer for eight days, you know, so I didn't crawl down to bed. I had no willpower to take a shower, so I slept on the couch. I'm like, I'm not going to wake her up or deal with this, and... She gets up the next morning, and we're bullshitting, and I was like, I'm glad the deer hunt's over, you know, like, it takes a lot to do this deer hunt, you know, and I was like, I just, super excited, I don't have to think about it for like a year, you know, and she said it wasn't like six hours later or that evening, she, I was already talking about it, like, oh, planning this and that, and she's like, yeah, so much for not talking about it for a year, you asshole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. How easily forget, like, all the, the punishment, all the, puni- the bullshit that you deal with. Yeah. Um, so this is, this is not a first time deer hunt. You've done this multiple times. Yep. This particular deer hunt. Yeah. So this would be my, this is my fifth time going out there. And, um, before 
this group, this is the first year that it was kind of on me because I always went with this group of old timers and uh, they started doing it about 35 years ago. Mm-hmm. And they went out there religiously every year for 30 years. And then, um, you know, the guys get old, you know, it's just the way it is. And it's a tough hunt. And it's a lot to do. So one guy ended up with bone cancer. One guy's got lung cancer. One guy blew his knee out. And then the transporter that they used retired. So they just kind of called it quits back in 2017. Okay. So I haven't been out there since 2017 and uh, got the okay to go out there this year, you know. And um, What do you mean by the okay? Well, you just got to get kind of the blessing from the old timers. Like you know, uh, You're like, I'm going to the spot. Yeah. Half, Is it okay? Half of them didn't like it. The other half were cool, you know. And the ones that didn't like it were still kind of like, yeah, whatever. At least somebody's hunting it because they're not going to ever go back. Okay. And I, I gave them... I gave them all the opportunity too, you know, like, hey, if you want to first spot, on the list. Yeah. I was yeah. like, we gotta take some young blood. We can't do it with sixty five to seventy two year old men, you know, as a crew anymore. But if a couple of you wanna go, you know, I, I threw it out there and a lot of them are in, you know, health issues where they couldn't go and the other ones just kinda don't want to go without the rest of the crew, I think. So all yeah. of them just kinda poo pooed it. But it was cool, you know, they were like, Yeah, that's fine, you know, go hunt the spot. And uh because you don't want to fucking ruffle feathers like that. You no, know, fuck like, no. That's respect. That's how you fucking respect people and yeah. respect what they've, and what know, And what they showed set me. Set up. Like, yeah. I, I would have I never hunted this spot probably. I mean, maybe I would have stumbled upon it, but I would have never known how to do it yeah. and what it takes to do it without these guys. So, And they were all happy we got out there and, you know, shot a shitload of deer. And they all made fun of me because I didn't shoot the, you know, the normal amount that they always shot. And so it was a good time, yeah. So yeah, this was the fifth time that I've been out there, and uh, first time doing it myself. And for what it was, I think it went pretty well. You know, it's it's really dynamic change having this group of dudes that have done it for so long mm-hmm. and know everything about everything. You know, they could tell you every point, every knob, every cove. You know, yeah, they got stuff they've named over the years. Like, and I tried to <clears throat> incorporate those names to the new guys, even because that's what we've they've always called it, and what I've called it now. So you say the island, and even though it's not an island, they're like, well, that's not an island. It's like, well, it's kind of an island. Like well, we It's, call a, it's it a, a peninsula. Well, a lot of shit's <laughs> like, well, it's an island at fucking high tide. Right. And it's a peninsula at low tide. Exactly. You know. <clears throat> so I tried to incorporate that with these new guys. And uh, yeah, just a lot of work. You, you know, I never understood it going out there with them, because I was the guy who, they're like, yo, you owe me a thousand bucks. And it's like, okay. Here it's you like, go. All yeah. right, we're leaving on Sunday. Okay. Hop in my truck. Okay. Like everything was taken care of and you know you forget how much that is like part of the hunt you know which i enjoy the planning and all that of a hunt but to do it the first time it was it was actually pretty overwhelming for me like it took a lot out of me the last few months to get this all straightened Mm -hmm. out my first time now now i could go out there next year and i'm okay with it you know i more dialed but yeah it, it was it was a lot for what it is you know but yeah you know it's six guys and two rafts and three arctic ovens and a cook tent and 10 days worth of chow and you're out in the middle a of transporter transporter and, and drive out, down south to get to get to where you're starting yeah and then all of a sudden you're just out in the middle of the ocean on an island <laughs> yeah you know with no way off unless that guy comes back to get you yeah so and most guys like when you talk deer hunting with 90% of guys in Fairbanks, they go to Kodiak. Everyone. 
Everyone goes to Kodiak. And I'm I cool mean, I that's where I've always hunted. Well, a Fognac, but yeah. all the deer hunting that I've ever done has all been down down there, you know. And I'm cool with that. I hope it continues that way. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, uh, I think it's, I wouldn't say Kodiak's any easier to hunt, but it's easier to access. I mean, it's flights instead of driving in boats. And then it's sometimes once your flights, your boats, or you're on a smaller plane to get transported to drop off. Right. Um, I would definitely wouldn't call it easy by any means. I wouldn't say easy by any means. Easier, like access-wise. You know, you don't, there's only a couple guys in the sound right now that are doing transpos, you know. So you have to call in early and make sure you got all your shit in line, you know, well in advance. But for me, it's just a different area that nobody else goes to or enough guys go there or whatever, you know. guys. Right. It's not my own private fucking island that I get to hunt. Yeah. You know, I don't own Montague. Yeah. But I also, not enough guys go there to where it's pressured. So the deer, I think, react a different way too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I really like that about the hunt. I'm just noticing in general. I mean, I, and I can't speak for in in the sound but I can't speak for Kodiak and a Fognac, and I grew up hunting whitetails. Blacktails are dumber than shit. Compared to whitetails? They're white not the same animal all at day. all. It's just yeah. a to- totally different, you know, beast to to hunt. They're just so much easier to hunt. And do you think that's <clears throat> just because it's a blacktail, or do you think it's because a whitetail has been pressured so much in, let's say, New Hampshire? Yeah. No, I don't think. I think it's just because they're blacktail. No, just, I just think that it's just being a different species, just a different deer. Yeah, okay. they're just not wired the same the same way. Just, yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, yeah, because I've it, hunted in areas where they're. It seems like the the less pressure whitetail have and the less people that they run into, the worse off they're. The more spooky they are, <laughs> you know. They're awful deer to hunt. Oh man, they're it's difficult for sure. Yeah, yeah, but um. So you guys go down there and the fucking weather's just shite, huh? Oh my god. The worst <laughs> weather I've had on a hunt in my entire life. Anything coastal Alaska after you know, I mean even in August a lot of time, but anything I always say like anything after August, you're just rolling dice, man. And they're usually not coming up seven or eleven. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was brutal. Like uh Drove down to Valdez on a Saturday. Boat was booked to be in Sunday morning, so we could leave Sunday morning, and then we were coming out the following Sunday. Calls us right away Saturday afternoon. Yo, weather's fucked. We're not going. It's like, all right, when are we going? I don't know. Yeah, we'll see if this lays down or not. Calls Sunday. Uh, Looks better. We're going to try it. So... He comes in Sunday. Well, he was supposed to come in Sunday night so we could load the boat. He didn't make it because of weather. Monday morning we get up. He's like, yeah, it's a go. Let's do it. Go down to the loading dock, throw all of our shit on the boat, which it's a massive amount of stuff to do this hunt. Like, it's well, it's a boatload, you know? Like, oh, yeah, I don't doubt it. It was three full-size pickups full of gear, you yeah. know, with by the time you throw in your propane bottles or your cots, your tents, you know, it just... Yeah, adds up so quick. It's like you're looking at this pile of shit laying on the dock. You're like, what are we going to do when we shoot 30 deer? Like- well, the thing, too, is like all that gear is fucking heavy. It's not like that stuff is like, oh, yeah, it's just some fucking air mattresses and shit. It's like everything about it is heavy. Yeah. All of it. Yeah, three wood stoves, you know, like yeah. it just all adds up. And then 
we take a little bit of fishing gear too so that throws in an extra component and then i take a crab pot with because if the weather's good we'd make that a priority to go out and get some crabs yeah because that makes a deer hunt right there you know you can come home with only a few deer but if you got a whole bucket full of crabs that's pretty sweet oh shit yeah 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 so we get this tremendous amount of gear down to the dock and the captain's looking at it, he's like i don't know guys like you know that's a lot of shit and it's like hey man your website said no weight restriction. <laughs> Put this shit on your fucking boat and let's go. <laughs> oh, that's epic. I mean, if you're going to say that, then yeah, you got to stand, you gotta stand by it. it. Yeah. 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 So he squawked at us a little, which is fine. We all got over it. And turns out it was fine on the weight. You know, he's got a 30 some foot bow picker that he's running, you know. So he's got three fish holds that'll put. I think he said he could put like five to eight thousand pounds in these fish holds, you know, of fish, and yeah. it still jumps up on steps. So I was like, "Well, we don't have that." So, holy shit, we end up getting out there, and uh, the boat jumps up on step, and we're cruising it. Like, do you put the stuff down in the fish holds while you're to to run, or you leave everything on the deck? We put uh, like anything that you want to stay dry. Well, everything goes in a dry bag, no matter what, right? You know, like your tent doesn't, and stuff like that, and blah blah blah. But everything goes in a dry bag, so. But the dry bags are a little more questionable, you know? Yeah. Those go down the fish hold. That way, they're a little less prone to the spray and everything. And Okay. So, we, yeah, we wedge all those fish holds full. And all the lighter stuff they worried might catch a little bit of breeze and flip out of the boat. Mm-hmm. So, we wedged that all down in there. And, yeah, boat jumped right up on step. We ran, I don't know, 25, 28 knots the entire way. That's out. fast. Yeah. Yeah. With that much gear. With and, all those guys and gear and everything. Yeah. yeah that's moving along. Six guys. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, we got out there. Um, he blew, a, I think he ended up being like a relay. So we get like right into the bay that we want to be at to camp. And as soon as we hit the mouth of that bay, it blows a relay. So we go from one motor or two motors down to one. Mm-hmm. And we're like 20 minutes from where we want to camp with two motors. We're like an hour away from where we want to camp with one with water. water. Yeah. And it's getting dark. Like time change happened the night before. So oh, shit all stick. of a sudden yeah. it's fucking dark. <laughs> so and that hour cost us the tide we needed. So we get in there and he ends up putting us about a tenth to a quarter of a mile away from our camp. So we unload the boat, throw all of our shit above the high tide water mark, and then we just hump the three arctic ovens and a little bit of gear you know sleeping bags and cots around the corner into our campsite and set it up for the night and then we're like all right next morning we're gonna get up and three of us will go hunting three of us will go get the rest of our gear now does he like anchor up and stay the night or does he just like turn and burn like i'm out of here he usually tries to turn and burn but means we got caught in that low tide he got stuck so he was sitting on gravel (laughs) oh no shit yeah oh okay we're that tide dependent on the spot we want to be so all right he sat high and dry i think he got us in there about 4 30 5 o'clock that night and um he sat high and dry till about 9 9 30 before he had water that would lift the boat and get him out of there. Mm-hmm. And by then he had his relay fixed because I guess he had been blowing relays. He's got two new motors. So he kind of knew the problem. So he got his relay fixed. All right. And then, yeah, then he just ran uh, electronics all the way back to Cordova. He can run at night. You know, it's only shit in that boat. It's probably cruising 35 knots, I would say. Fucking Christ. I wouldn't go that fast at night and dark. I don't give a fuck what you have. That's nuts. 
dude's been living to there. To me. I you know, know, but all it takes is one fucking deadhead that's like two inches underwater and you fuck everything up. I'm with that's you there, insane. you know. That's insane. Yeah. You know those boat captains, though, they're all crazy. Yeah, <laughs> oh, my They're like, oh, I've been doing this 30 years. I know every fucking rock. Yeah, and you don't know about the fucking shit floating in the water, exactly. though. Exactly. Unreal. Yeah. I, I, you know, I couldn't tell you how fast he went back to Cordova, No, too, I, but I know. He, I he left that night, so. Yeah. yeah, I was like, well boat's gone let's do this shit you know so that morning three guys went out deer hunting and then the other three of us at low tide walked around the corner to our gear and uh pumped up the rafts put the motors on the rafts and then we just ferried all of our shit into camp after yeah, that a lot easier oh, just cush yeah. at that point it's not even a big deal yeah but it probably wasn't you know me knowing that the air the area and i've been there before i was one that was like hey i'll deal with the gear like I'll give you guys a chance mm-hmm. to go out and start making your bones, you know. And I don't think we were an hour into daylight when the first shot rang out. Nice. It just crack, you know, and I was like, sweet. Like, we got camp meat. Yeah, like, exactly. If we're here for a couple of weeks, we're going to get fed. And then it was probably another half hour, another shot. And then I think, what did we shoot? We shot four deer that first day. Right on. Just from camp. Cool. And, um, yeah, the guys were out there just waylaying you know mostly does and fawns because they don't know any better well, whatever <laughs> they're getting man. after it right away you know which i mean you shoot what i mean when it gets fu- to a certain point in the season you got your tags you can shoot whatever you want to i'm with you there yeah and uh it's different too having five tags in your pocket you know yeah. it's like well i don't gotta worry about shooting a buck for a while it's like i got five tags i'm gonna dust a few does and fawns right away get a couple make deer. sure i got a cooler full of meat <laughs> yeah it's like i spent a bunch of money i'd like to go home with some blacktail you know yeah so they're out doing that, and yeah, we uh, got all of our shit ferried into camp, which was nice. Got the camp set up proper, and then I went out that afternoon and uh, got up. Well, that day I see a bunch of dog tracks, you know, around camp, and guys are asking me, you know, like wolves, fox, coyote, you know, what is it? And I was like, I don't think there's any of that shit out here. Like as far as I know, none. Of, there's no dogs on this island. Yeah, but there were definitely dog tracks, like plain as day Apparently there's dogs here <laughs> yeah and i'm like looking at where these dog tracks are going they're kind of sticking to the beach so i was like maybe somebody was out here and just fishing or dicking off and they were just running their dogs up and down the beach while they were fishing well a few hours later all of a sudden here come these fucking two siberian huskies in a camp and i'm like what the fuck is going on here that's weird yeah so it turns out this dude who was out there the same time had lost these two dogs and they were just running loose on the island just waylaying deer themselves like no stone cold killers dude huh he said one time they left for seven weeks and they were just fine when they came back just as fat all that shit no shit yeah and he's got videos of them like murking fawns and shit i'm like dude that's that's not cool that's kind of fucked huh yeah so I go, you know, we figure out these dogs, and as soon as they came into camp, we grabbed them, tied them up. It's like, because the guys were already telling me, they're like, yo, there's dog tracks everywhere up in these meadows, right behind deer tracks. I was like, all right, you know, we'll deal with that shit. Yeah, so we deal gra- with it, all right. Well, it's, I would, I know how I would deal with it, but. <sighs> tough for me to shoot a dog. Man. Well, I, you I know, mean, it's tough to see dogs running deer, too. That's bullshit. This is true. <clears throat> So we got those dogs tied up and mellowed them out, and there's a number on the collar, and one guy had a sat phone, so we tried calling it, and just rang and rang, so we sent a message out to a 
one of the guy's brothers I was with. And it's like, hey, just keep trying this number till you get old. Ends up getting a hold of the guy. And he's like, yeah, they've been loose for like five days. You know, if you can bring him back to my camp just down the beach, you know, I'm, I'm here. So what the like, fuck was he doing out there? I don't know. Let's camped out like, with his dogs. Yeah. Just hanging out. Yeah. Being a dude. <laughs> no shit. Yeah. He had a boat and everything and whatnot. And huh. So uh, we end up bringing these dogs back. We we're going to bring them back the next day and then it starts blowing like 80 miles an hour. And it's like, where we're at, it's really protective, and it was white capping. And I'm like, I'm not running these rafts and this shit, like, for a couple dogs. No, like, fuck that. So we yeah. just had them, ended up having them tied up in camp for a couple days and got them back to them, and everything was, you know, savvy after that, which was fine. So, But it was impressive just seeing, like, everywhere we went, there was a dog track. Like, those dogs had just that's weird. ran around that island just murking shit for five days. And I'm sure it hurt the deer, you know, or, you know, are hunting some, but is what it is. Like, what do you do about it at that point? Or, well, yeah, I guess. I mean, that's got to be some kind of a fucked up surprise, like dog tracks in some place where there's no fox, no wolves, no nothing. And you're like, what the hell is this? This is an odd situation. Well, the guys I'm with, you know, none of them been there. So they're just looking at me like I'm fucking stupid. You know, they're yeah, like, right. They're like, no, these are wolf tracks. And I'm like, no, there's no wolves out yeah. here. And they're like, no, there's, there is. Look at this. And I'm like, I see that. And I see what you're saying, but there's yeah. no fucking wolves. So that, huh. that was kind of shitty. But, you know, what do you do? There's nothing you can do about that other than murk somebody's dogs. And well, I'm not into that. Yeah. It'd be a tough situation. I'd have to be real hungry or real pissed off. And it was first day of the hunt, so I was neither. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so then uh, after that, we got those things squared away. And then one of the deer that we shot that day, so the we're hunting like this stretch that's like two miles wide with bays on either side. And if you shoot a deer right in the middle, then you make the choice, you know, like, do I go left or do I go right? Which bay do I drag him into? So then you take a raft to go pick yeah. the deer up. Yep. Gotcha. Because we we keep all of our deer whole. They just keep so much better in the rain and the salt water and everything. Like it's cold and it's constantly cold enough that time of, this this time of year to to do that. Yeah, it's running like mid forties during the day and mid thirties at night. Right so on. they keep just just perfect out there. You you hang them up. Yep. Just yeah. on a big meat pole. Right but, on. Yeah, just gut them and leave the skin on. You know, don't even take any of the legs below the knees or nothing. Just leave them whole. Mm-hmm. So this guy's up there and he's behind camp and he's right on the border of which way to split the mountain and he decides to split it towards the big bay so he drags one over there and he keeps hunting that day and he ends up shooting it it was like a year old you know fawn yearling that he drug into the bay and then he shoots another doe and drags it into camp and tells me he's like hey i got one we got to go around into the big water on that side of the bay and get it i was like all right you know and this is dark by then i was like all right first thing in the morning we'll just get out there and get this deer and he's like oh yeah cool i was like it'll lay just fine for the evening ain't nothing gonna hurt it next morning we get up and it's blowing fucking 80 dude like just unreal fucking wind like better stay in your tent to hold it down type shit you know yeah so we hunted from camp that day and he comes back into camp at like two and it'll lay down a little it's probably only blowing 65 And uh, he's like, we didn't go get that deer. I was like, dude, we're not going into the big water. I was like, it can lay for another day. I was like, I'm not chancing people's lives and equipment for 
a deer. Like it just is what it is. You is know? it and, possible to like leave from there to go and get the deer to like care like bring it back, carry it back? We could have. Yeah, it would have been like a three mile drag back to camp. But you know, it, it was secure where it was at. It was safe. You know, don't really have an issue out there. Yeah. So you know that day passes. I, I don't know what we got that day. A couple more deer. <laughs> Or one or whatever. It was just blowing so damn hard. And next day, it was laid down. It was really nice out. I mean, it was raining, but there was no wind. Yeah. So we take both rafts, and we go to this other spot, you know, across the bay, drop everybody off there, and then I grab Brian. I was like, yeah, all right, we'll uh, show me where this deer's at. Just we'll go into the big water and go grab it. So we're cruising into the big water, and he shows me where it's at, and we pull right into this little cove where he had it stashed, you know, and he just had it hung up in a little tree. It was just a fawn, so he just... Use a crotch of a tree and just stuck its head in there, you know, and it's mm-hmm. well Dang. above tide mark and everything's kosher. We get there and he's back and forth zigzagging, you know, crossing this little cove that it's supposed to be in. And Brian is a very, very savvy hunter, like phenomenal sheep hunter, just a solid outdoorsman. Yeah. So I'm kind of looking at him like, what the fuck's going on, you know, because he can't find this deer comes walking back to the raft and he has a chunk of hair about the size of a silver dollar in his hand gives it to me and i'm like yeah what's up he's like deer's gone man and i was like what he's like it's gone and i was like so there's like some bones or chunks of fur or anything he's like nope it's just gone and he gave me that one you know 50 cent piece of hair and he's like it's it's over like it's just not here and i was like i guess a brownie got it you know is what it is was there bear tracks and shit around? Like, could you see, or was it up far enough into the moss and shit that you can't couldn't even see tracks? So where he drug it down, it's kind of cliffy right there, mm-hmm. and there was such a slide mark from him dragging it down, and then obviously a bear dragging it back up that you couldn't see anything as far as tracks. Huh. So I was like, all right. So we go over to this other spot where we drop these guys to go hunting, and we hunt with them all day, and I think we pulled two does out of there that day, and go back to camp and we're sitting there and winds starting to pick up and it's howling again and makes a weird sound coming over the top of this bay behind us you know so it's just got this grumpy sound to it all the time and all of a sudden you know you got those gusts so it's like and then it lays down a little bit and in between one of those we just hear this and i was like looked at the guy standing next to me he's looking at me i was like the fuck was that Hmm. And we look at each other again, I was like, there's only one fucking animal that makes that noise. And from what I can figure, one bear had found that yearling that he shot and was eating on it, and a bigger bear found him, and they mm-hmm. were fighting over it. Oh, no shit. That's all I could, because it was 10 minutes of just these pretty, you could pretty t- much tell that it was two different bears, Yeah, but it was just this guttural, awful growl yell. For like 10 minutes, and I think it was just those two bears fighting over deer. Huh. I don't know what else they would have been doing up there, you know, Yeah, being that loud. So, yeah, it was pretty cool, though. I've never heard one screaming like that before. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was pretty impressed. It's like, oh, shit, there's some big apex predators out here looking for us. Yeah. Looking for fucking deer is what they're looking for. Yeah. Maybe it's better just to feed them one. (laughs) Stay out of camp, assholes. Yeah, so that was fun. Do you guys have? Do you put a fence around your meat? Do you ha- do you bring a fence with you at all? No. Have you? And you've never had any problems with bears in the past? Not at coming all? into camp. No. No. 
those old timers that hunted out there in 30 years they had to shoot one bear dlp in 30 years holy shit yeah that ain't that ain't bad that ain't bad at all that's impressive actually talking six guys in the woods for two they always did a two-week stint out there huh and uh so six guys at a time for two weeks for 30 years and you only have to shoot one brownie coming in at you that's good that's really good yeah yeah it's like i've been to kodiak once and i almost had to do it that one time i went out there right i know i mean i know a lot of guys now those fences that they make are they're the the batteries are small the everything packs down really small and you can easily just i mean there's a lot of these places i mean not where you're at but a lot of the south end of kodiak you can't hang deer in trees there's nothing you got a pile of shit going there's no trees to put stuff in there's no you know and there's no way to raise your meat off the ground you have to like put brush down or whatever and lay your game back you know a lot of i mean in situations like that a lot of stuff is boned out too like or quarters or whatever but there's no no place to hang the stuff right um so i know that a lot of guys are starting to maybe not starting but use these fences because fuck you go down there and you spend a lot of money to get to where you're going to hunt oh yeah i don't want bears taking my fucking meat you know yeah Yeah, and they're ruthless. You know, they'll come and grab a whole deer, just drag Gone. it away yeah. like it's oh, nothing. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, pick it up in their mouth and walk away. Yeah. Um. So you heard those bears, but nothing. I mean, there was no. You never. Then nothing ever came into where your camp was, where you had the majority of your meat and 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 everything hanging up. Yeah, yeah. Nothing's ever come into camp. I think they, those bears. You know, like they know that they're big and tough, but they also know that humans will kill them. You know, yeah. in my opinion. So. You get that much human smell around, and I don't think they want anything to do with it. At like, least bigger bears. I mean, you right. can run into issues with younger bears that don't, they're not smart enough to know that Okay, that yeah. smell is shitty, you right. know, in, in my experience anyway. Um, and right now, from what we saw, they were all up high digging these weird white roots. I think you were telling me. I was saying, well, I was think, saying the only thing that I know, I mean, I'm sure they, they dig up a lot of stuff, but I know chocolate lilies have like, the roots in chocolate lilies have little like pods, it's almost like rice. Okay, that's in their root system, and I know, I know at least in the spring, I've seen bears just hammering on chocolate lily root systems, eating them. Yeah, um, it's yeah. got to be really high in nutrients for them to spend be, that to kind of energy. spend that much time ripping those things up and eating them. But I, I, I uh, there's obviously other things that they're digging up too. Yeah, to, to eat. Yeah, these were some sort of, you know, maybe the size of a quarter-looking root, and it was all in the dark timber that they were digging these things out of, and then yeah. they'd shit out just this giant, like, white fluff ball. Like, all the bear shit was just this, like... That's crazy. Weird, shredded, popcorn-looking white huh. poof ball that they were shitting. Hmm. But, yeah, you get in the big timber, the big dark timber with the boss, and that's where they were doing it, and there was just everything was ripped up you know they were just yeah. tearing apart everything they could find yeah that was when i asked you about if you've seen the rock piles yeah yeah that shit's fucking when crazy shit out rocks, yeah yeah, yeah I didn't see that out there at all yeah and that's for people that are listening they eat uh these little sand fleas and on the beach they dig holes eat these things they go up into the woods behind the beaches they take a shit and over the course of time, everything, all the organic matter, 
all decays and is gone. And then there's all these little tiny piles of rocks everywhere where they're just eating rocks the whole time. They're eating these little fucking bugs out of the gravel on the beaches. And it's so fucking weird. You like walk up some beaches in particular, like very specific where there's obviously they're good. It's like a perfect spot for these bugs to be. And there's just like hundreds of little piles of rocks all over the place behind these beaches in the woods. And it's, it's not like a year and that shit is gone. It's like some of those piles of rocks, I'm sure like 20, 30, 40, hundred years old, you know? Yeah. Making a new beach. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Up in the woods. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, so how did the rest, I mean, how was the rest of the hunt? What, 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 what happened? I mean, everybody got deer. Um, did everybody limit out or did every, you know, no, no, it didn't even come close to a limit. So out there it's five a piece, six guys. So 30 deer would have been our limit. And we shot 13. Which I was happy with, with the weather we got. Yeah. Because there was two days that nobody could really leave the tent. Like, it was blowing 80 and just those sheets of rain, you know, that coastal rain where you're just looking at it and you already get wet from the tent. And uh, everybody, so one guy shot four, two guys shot three, I shot two, and another guy shot one, and then one guy didn't shoot any. And... uh, you know, I think everybody was happy with what we got for what we had for conditions. I mean, yeah. the, the deer were there. Like, we had our chances. Like, I muffed one doe at, like, 45 yards with the shotgun where I don't know what the fuck happened. Like, oh, yeah, fuck. That's what I meant to say. Talk about that. Like, not a whole lot of people. Not a whole lot of people. You say, oh, I, I got one with my shotgun. Not a whole lot of people in Alaska uh, run a 12-gauge for for deer hunting yeah. or any hunting for that matter i could probably say that i'm one of like one percent probably i or less. would say i would probably <laughs> have to agree with you yeah yeah so uh six guys in camp and we had uh so there's big bears there so that's kind of why we worry about a bigger caliber because you know these sick of blacktails are tiny like a perfect gun out there would be a 243 yeah that's know? what i used to guide with and to hunt myself with for years yeah great great all around you know you could shoot it fast not a lot of recoil you can get back on target quick yeah but with these big bears it's like well do i carry a 243 and a glock 10 on me or do i take my 338 and just you know have a bigger bullet for the deer but i got enough stopping power when this brown bear comes at me so we've had six guys in camp three of them are shooting 300 wind mags which i think is acceptable for a bear like a brown bear i think you can get it done Mm-hmm. right then and then one guy shooting a 308 other guy shooting a 6.5 creed more but he's packing a glock 10 the whole time hmm. you know that way if chick hits a fan he can deal with it he's shooting like an ar style platform 6.5 and then yeah they're all busting my balls because i'm shooting an old ithaca model 37 deer slayer 12 gauge pump shotgun i fucking love it with a one by four uh loop hold on it and uh I absolutely love this thing. Like, it's a great brush gun. These new Sabated 300 SST Hornadies that I'm shooting out of it, according to the box, will shoot accurately up to 200 yards. Yeah. I mean, there's no shot on that island more than 200 yards to begin with. Most of this coastal shit is close. Like, it's jump shooting. For the most part. I mean, at least forested coastal stuff is close. Your Most of your shots are really close. Yeah. All three deer that I shot at were within 50. Yeah, and so I got this nice little one by four on there, 
and having that pump shotgun, I mean, you can double tap them just instantly, you know, and you're right back on target, you know. And uh, brown bear oh, shows up. I have no problem quarreling with a brown bear with a 300-grain slug coming at him. I'm like, oh, no, that's I'm, serious business. I'm touching you, buddy. Yeah. And I was really surprised. I thought it was going to do just, like, a lot of damage to these deer. But they're so thin-skinned. And, if you, I mean, I hit bone once, and it did some damage on the inside, but... The other one, like, put two rounds through them, and it was just two holes, like, the size of a penny. Like, just clean, in and out. In and out, both, that, yeah. That huge, sabbated slug just did not do anything on the way through it. Just clean. Huh. You know? And the other one that hit Bowen, I mean, it fucked it up, but it didn't, like, blow a hole, like, the size of a paper plate out its back or anything. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, this was my first year hunting with that gun, and I don't think I'll hunt with anything other than that ever again for deer hunting down there. Huh. It is sweet, dude. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I shot one whitetail one time when I was a kid with a 12-gauge pump slug, and it's it works. It's devastating. Oh, God, yeah. Done. Yeah. You know, they don't run off. <laughs> you know, growing up, we, we lived right halfway up Minnesota on the I-94 border, and Above I-94, you can shoot with a rifle because it's still hilly enough. Mm-hmm. But below it, where like my grandparents' farm was, it had was slug only. And growing up shooting slugs, it was old school slugs. So we were shooting a smooth barrel. Oh, well, personally, I was shooting a smooth barrel. That's what I used. Remington 870 yeah. with a sabbated slug. Yeah. And you're talking about 40, 50 yards. Like, that's the accuracy, you know, back then of these slugs. Where now these Well, it's not like you're stacking a scope on Like, you're yeah, still just no, using was, the bead. That's all I ever had. Yeah. Exactly. It yeah. wasn't even a true glow. It was just the white <laughs> yeah, bead exactly. on the end of that old 870. Yeah. And uh, now with these new, you know, slugs, it's like, realistically, it's 200 yards. Yeah. And these slugs are coming out of the barrel at 2,000 feet per second. That's a lot of... That is burning, man. Like, that is yeah. moving for a 300 grain... I think it's like an ounce and an eighth or an ounce and a quarter yeah. bullet coming out of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I showed you pictures of that one slug I pulled out of the snowbank. Yeah. It's a lot of lead going through Oh, yeah, here. big chunk for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I just like that you can just pull up and just start touching them. You know, just that gun is right there in your shoulder. There's no... Yeah. I don't run scope covers, which, you know, a lot of guys <laughs> probably should in those coastal, you know, because... Your you know your scope will fog up and get snow oh, and rain in it. You get tons of shit in there. But yeah. I got that big one by four on there, so even when it's completely fogged, I got enough range of view that I can fucking pull up, put the crosshair on them, and dust them right yeah. then. So I don't run any scope covers that way. Big bear jumps on me. I I'm on him right now, and I'm pulling the trigger and I'm dumping all five of those slugs into him as fast as I can. Yeah. Maybe save the last one for when he's right on top of you. But other than that, yeah. And how I mean. I always say the same thing. I'm like, realistically, what's the what's the chances that you're gonna have to deal with a bear? That's, you know, I mean, it's good to be. Don't get me wrong. I'm with it's you. good to be ready and be prepared for a shitty situation that can happen. We put ourselves in situations where we're in their world a lot, trying to but be quiet. It's still, it's like the chances are very, very slim. Very small. Then I'm with you're you ever gonna have to. To deal with a situation like that. But know? if I can come up with a combo like this gun, where it's good for deer, yeah. it's quick draw, but yet it'll fucking waylay a brown bear, Yeah, that's what I want Perfect. in my hands. Perfect yeah. combo, yeah. 
Okay. I'm not into this carrying two fucking guns or carrying a bow and a gun and like well, well, you know, it's a t- it's tough. It's a pain in the ass. Carrying in a two lot guns, of situations. Like, I understand that here and there, you know, blah blah blah. But carrying a fucking bow and a gun. Well, that, you mean you kind of? I mean, if you're, I guess for protection, like if you're talking, a you wouldn't bow, carry a rifle and, okay, a, and okay. a bow. I mean, uh, you'd have a pistol and I'm, a I'm bow. I'm with you there, but it's still it turns into a lot of shit where you already need. A lot of other a shit. lot of other shit, and the less is more. I guess is what I'm, I'm is what I'm there. saying. I can yeah. see a bow with a handgun because for safety, but I cannot understand a bow with a rifle because I've watched. Well, you're never going to use your a bow. million million <laughs> fucking hunting videos. I've never seen a dude with a bow in his hand that's carrying a rifle shoot an animal with, with that a bow. bow. Yeah, it's like ah, oh, he was so far away. I just had to do it. It's mm-hmm. like, well. If you only have a bow in your hand, then you're going to have to get close to that animal and kill yeah. it. You have no choice. Yeah. Otherwise, you post up at a hundo and be like, all right, give me that fucking 300. I'm going to dust this thing. Done. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I mean, the weather, you know, boned us a bunch and, you know. It, it sounds like the weather sucked, but you guys still did all right. You got a yeah. bunch of deer. Yeah. I mean, I was super pumped with 13 for the weather we had, you know, for two days that we couldn't even hunt. So Yeah. On a good day of hunting out there with six guys, nothing to drag back six deer, you know, or more a day. Like, if you get into a really nice day of hunting, it's great, you know, you shoot six, eight deer, you know, and then mm-hmm. the next day's shitty, so then you don't have to shoot as many, or you don't shoot as many. But with just the weather we had that stacked up on us, where it was just shit day after day, you know, kind of started breaking dudes a little bit, too, you know, it's like, I want it, I will go out and hunt in this rain, but... It's tough getting up in the morning and putting wet rain gear back on. Oh, yeah. You know, like, the wood that we're burning is so wet that you have to start with a blowtorch to begin with. It's a tiny little kindling fire. You start with the blowtorch, and then you put the rest of your wood that you want to burn next on top of your wood stove to pre-season it, you know, because it's at 90% water right now. And by the time it goes in the wood stove, it's 40% water. I think there's a real good reason why a lot of these guys coastally are bringing propane and using propane heaters and arctic ovens rather than fucking around with trying to dry wood and dealing with it because it's fucked it's, it's, it's fucked. a nightmare yeah. yeah it's absolutely fucked yeah and i knew better too because the old timers they all hunted or put these uh i don't know if somebody made them for them or where they got them but they all had these old school drip stoves diesel mm-hmm. drip stoves yeah and they were awesome, and I just don't have any of those, and they weren't willing to give them up. So you know, I was like, "All right, bring a wood stove." It's what I have. Yeah. So, but next year I'm definitely going to come up with a different option. I'm not. Should I should pull this one out for you? We should pull this one out that I have out and see, have a look at it, and it's and see if it like actually fire it up and use it and see. I'll be like, I, "You're more than welcome to use it." You that, know, that one's diesel or propane. You know, I have a diesel drip stove. It's a diesel. Yeah. It's like it's like the size of that, but twice as high. But I think a lot of it's just sheet metal bullshit. Yeah. You know, where it's like what you want is what's inside. We could probably customize the thing and make it a yeah. smaller unit. Um, or maybe we just get a guy to start making them. You well, know, like hey, let's design one and then we yeah. can sell them too. But I do have one that I got from a neighbor of mine. I was going to put it in my house initially. This is fuck years ago. And just never, never got around to it. Just went, did wood. Right. But I know that coastally, it's a can't. fucking nightmare with wood. You just can't do it. And 
So some guys, <clears throat> I've talked to a couple of different people after I spoke with you recently about um, bringing dura, those dura logs. And so one guy was like, oh, yeah, they fucking stink. They just, everything you makes everything stink in the tent. Like, oh, it's just disgusting. But there's a place here in town that makes those dura logs that apparently they don't stink at all. Really? They're really nice, yeah. Hmm. I'll have to look into that. Yeah. yeah. So what? I guess it's like six, one, half a dozen, the other. Do you want, they do actually have these things yeah. that aren't horrible. Well, but once you get a fire going too, you can keep a fire. Like it'll dry itself you have to be as it burns. On it. But yeah, yeah, you got to babysit that. Yeah, which I'm not into either. You know, after you come back from long day hunting, want to sit there and have a few cocktails and bullshit, and not worry about the stove so much. Um, I really think that I've used, I've stayed in a couple of times in Arctic ovens. Um, in very very cold winter conditions. With the propane heaters. And not a fucking Mr. Buddy no, heater. No. A double wall stovepipe where it's like taking... Exhausted. It's taking air in and putting exhaust out through the through the stove jack, through a pipe. And you can dry clothes. It's warm. And they're, they're reliable. They're legit. Yeah. And I'm, I, I'm a firm, firm believer that you know, on coastal trips like that, that those... that propane is the way to go yeah i'm with you i I won't have a wood stove next time you know it'll definitely be propane or diesel yeah just because you know well if you get in a survival situation too you're fucked you know if you come back and you're pain in the ass with wood right trying to get that blowtorch going and yeah yeah it's just brutal yeah one guy we were with he's hunted kodiak quite a bit or a few times and he said they took one of those propane stoves out there, and he said, I don't know if it was a stove or what the deal was, but he hated it because they took two of the midsize, you know, not the grill tank, but not the 100-pounder, you know, like the 40 or, you know, yeah. double-stack grill tank, let's call it. Yeah. And he said they took two of them, expecting that to be enough for, like, a 10-day hunt, and he said they burnt through them in, like, six days. And huh. I was like, well, is your stove a piece of shit? Was it not set right? Yeah, exactly. You know, that, There's a lot of shit that you goes You got to have more than that. just one as a baseline, you know, on your yeah. scientifical, you know, thesis here. Well, yeah. I you mean, know, you, you got to try it more than once. Those to, things can't, you got to, obviously, you wouldn't want to just go down there for the trial run either you'd want to use you know, this the, fucking thing in your yard or wherever first this dude's real savvy too so i'm guessing he did you know i just don't know what was going on with that stove you know yeah yeah he's a solid dude so i can't imagine him just being like oh this is brand new let's try it out like burn the fucking pipe off the first day in the tent yeah, you know type yeah. dude yeah no they're good they're small too at least the one that i that i've used is it's smaller than that box right there yeah, like 10 by 20 or something inches. Less even, I would say. Yeah. I mean, and don't, yeah, like maybe 12 by 12, something like that. And it just has like one burner in the bottom like a grill probably, huh? Yeah. A bunch of orifices. Yeah. 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 And it's fucking throws heat. They're nice. Yeah. I wish I knew the name, what the name of that was. No, I'm, um, Throughout the summer here, I'm going to try out, or even next fall, a few different options before I you know commit to one for down there next year but it definitely won't be wood <laughs> yeah is what it is on that you know we all survived and it was fine 
So cool. Well, what do you think? You guys did good. I'm glad you guys came over, you and Tara. Yeah, no, it's been fun. We're approaching a two hour mark. That's We're probably probably good. It's a good time for a yeah. No Tyler podcast. We can't break it in too hard the first time. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely different without without Tyler being here. Um, he definitely uh, he's busy. Like he's got three kids, and he's got he and his wife both work. Yeah, both have jobs. On. He's got a shitload going on, and I just had a couple of peop a couple of different people reached out to me and were like, "What the fuck's up with Tundra Talk? I've there's not nothing. I want to listen, you know." And I'm right. like, "Fuck." So I talked to Tyler, and he was like, man, have you got some people you want to, you know, like, I, didn't, I don't want to be stepping on oh, stepping sure. on toes or anything None like that, do, you yeah. know? So I was just like, you know, it's, you know, it would be cool. I could, I have some time right now. I could probably, like, do a couple of podcasts with people and and uh, make this happen. The hardest part about it was figuring out, figuring out how to fuck. He showed yeah. me how to set all this shit up, and then we got over here, and of course... Didn't work. <laughs> it did, I couldn't get it set up to start with, but yeah. it was just a couple of buttons I needed to needed to push. So it worked. It all worked out. It wasn't a big deal, but yeah. No matter what, he's the ringmaster. You know. Yeah, we no, all know for, that. Too. No, it, for sure. It's it, you know, it's, and, it's his, and we all enjoy listening to it. And I'm yeah, glad exactly. He's giving us an opportunity to keep it going, so everybody else can listen too. It's interesting because I've been, I've obviously been on a lot of the a lot of the podcasts, only like ninety percent. He's been on. <laughs> Every one of them. I don't listen to any of the ones that I've ever been on. So this, oh, really? I, I technically, I mean, if he's in any kind of the same boat that I'm in, this will be like the first podcast he'll be able, like listen to. Yeah, <laughs> that he's like, holy shit, <laughs> I'm not. This you know, is what it there. sounds like. Yeah, you know, the first time we did one, I was like, oh, I'm gonna listen to this, and I started listening. And I got like five minutes into it, and I was like. This is sucks. This is a conversation <laughs> that I just had yesterday. I know exactly what I said. Why would I be listening to this? Like and I turned it off. Movie watched so, already. Like, you, I know the ending. Oh, right. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, this doesn't make any sense at all. So I never, anytime that I'm on here, I never listen to them. Yeah. But I always look forward to it when I'm not on there because I'm like, oh, this is going to be sweet. Who's who's you know who's going to be on there? And like, right. I, I like listening to them. Um, so, yeah. Tyler, obviously, will be back to do some more podcasts, but um, right now, when everybody's super busy, I'm going to try and do do a couple. And and I, th- uh, I think you're a good fill in. Well, right on, cool. I yeah. appreciate that. Um, and I think I did this morning. The first thing I did was like listen, like pulled up a podcast, and I was like, "Oh, how does he start it? And how does he end it? <laughs> Everything." So I think like at the end, he says. Thanks for listening. If you guys enjoy Tundra Talk, uh, something. <laughs> it's something hop on the, the pel- hop on whatever platform you pe- listen to and give Patreon. us a give us a good uh, give us a good review yeah. if you're enjoying this. And uh, other than that, we'll see you guys soon. Enjoy. <laughs>